The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Brad Whisker in with me. I'm Andrew Gross. Uh, We were talking in the last half hour uh, about the uh, candidate to be a UCP MLA or run as a MLA. And I just wanted to get through a few more texts before we uh, switch gears here. Uh, What I find frustrating, says this texter, is that I don't believe in same-sex marriage. You won't vote on that alone. It's about running a province, not one's personal views. And this, I don't know why I'm not allowed to have my own opinions. I think same-sex is icky. I would never do it, but I could give a crap what other people do in their life. Do it or don't do it, whatever. I think people who do it are crazy. People who drive Fords are crazy. I don't <laughs> I don't hate anyone, but I still don't think it's for me. And this, there's a reason there's been a division between church and state. We should be more concerned about how the party is going to reduce our debt, make jobs, and represent our fiscal future. There you go. Uh, let's see if Rob Roach can uh, follow this. It's uh, <laughs> the first Monday of the... Uh, no, it's Monday. So it's time for another edition of The Who. There you go. Joining us, uh, dire- <laughs> Director of Insight for ATB Financial, Rob Roach. Hey, Rob. Hi, Andrew. Your topic this week uh, interested me quite a bit. You wanted to uh, connect as a result of a StatsCan study released last week about uh, income and health. Yeah, it's something, you know, when I think... Everybody probably assumes uh, correctly that if you're in ill health, um, that your, your your financial situation might suffer because you can't work as much, or um, maybe you're unemployed entirely, or or you can't focus, and so you're not getting the promotions and those kind of things. But this is actually the first study that's put some real numbers around that, and the numbers are pretty striking. Well, tell us about it. Well, um, so if you're, uh, they looked at men and women, um, and men and women in couples, and so if a male reports uh, poor health. On average, uh, their income goes down by about $13,800. So that's an average. So um, that's a group of men compared to uh, who report ill health compared to a group of men who report uh, being in good health. So that might mean you've lost your job entirely or it might mean you're earning a little bit less. But that entire group, on average, sees that drop of about almost 14000 Pretty similar for women. Um, they see their income, uh, average income, drop by about 14800 It gets much more interesting, though, when you look at the combined income of couples. So and let me stop where, you there before we get to combined income. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of clarifications. So is this um, self-reporting? So people are saying that I worked less because I wasn't in good health. That's question number one. And number two, uh, was there any distinction made between mental and physical health? On the first one, it is... Uh, the answer is that, yes, it's self-reported. So this is a major survey um, that StatsCan does, and it asks a lot of questions, and one of the variables they look at is um, self-reported health. So you can say you're in generally good health or generally poor health. Okay. On the second issue, they do look at um, mental health as well as physical. It's a separate set of numbers, and it was just too many to include in, in one conversation. Um, similar connection, though. Uh, income goes down with uh, physical, uh, poor physical health also goes down with uh, mental health. And would the number be higher for women because more women tend to have hourly jobs? Um, in, terms of, in terms of income, what's interesting is, is that uh, it's not always that their income necessarily has gone down because they're sick. 
they might be sick, and that's why they've chosen a certain type of job. So, mm. um, and yeah, working hourly might allow more flexibility and those kind of things. So we don't have a lot of details about sort of exactly why, on an individual basis, um, people might have lower income. It's these averages for, as a group, if you're in poor health, chances are uh, statistically your income will be lower. So, Rob, what factors play into poor physical health? Is there a, a, a lower limit and a higher limit? Like, what sort of things are included in what is known as poor, limited, or physical poor health? Yeah, well, in this, in this particular survey, it really is just left up to the respondent. Um, and the, the options are to say that you're in good or very good or excellent uh, physical health or fair or poor. And then they combine those two together into the two groups. All right, so you were about to talk about couples and what the statistics say. Yeah, well, this, because the survey uh, and the, the research also shows that, you know, uh, if you're in a couple, um, what's the combined effect if one of the partners is sick? And what's really interesting is if, if the male is sick, um, of course, the, uh, the, the couple's income goes, goes down by about 12000 because, in fact, women's average income in that partnership goes up just by a little bit. Hmm. Um, what's What's particularly troubling, though, is when the female reports ill health, um, both the male income and the female income go down almost $30,000 below the average. Let me try and figure that out. So the guy gets sick, the, his wife works a sec- or, you know, works harder, longer to compensate, but the other way around, why wouldn't it work the other way around? Well, we have to speculate, but I, I think what might be going on is that um, women may already be, so if, if their male partner gets sick, um, they were probably already, in many cases, looking after the kids and the household to an extra degree. So they had already taken a job that allowed more flexibility, whereas if the, the female gets sick, um, the husband might have to step in and now be doing things he wouldn't normally be doing, and that's why maybe he has to work fewer hours or take a lower-paying job or those kind of things. So it's a bit of, I think, those gender roles still play out, um, when when illness is a factor as well. Rob, do we have a total number for when a male gets sick and then the female of the household takes time off work to look after him? Um, we don't. It doesn't quite get that specific. Um, so that would be. This is one of the reasons I think we need more work in this area. Is this is just sort of the first empirical study to even begin to put some numbers around this. And that's a great question because we need to start to figure out what happens in sort of more of those individual situations where um, instead of just these averages, so we know there's a negative effect, but what happens sort of on an individual basis is the next set of questions we need to ask. Uh, you mentioned it really quickly, but just to clarify again, you said a man and wife. So was this own, th- there was no same-sex relationships looked at? There were same-sex couples involved in the study. There just wasn't enough. Um, statistically to mm. include it as uh, in to report the, the numbers. Um, so that's why most of the couples just happen to be um, male-female because that's uh, still statistically the dominant uh, arrangement. So they were in there, just not enough for, for reporting purposes. Okay, so I guess that leaves us with the question then, why give a hoot? Well, I think it's a really good reminder. You know, we have a public health care system in Canada, and so say you have a heart attack, you're not necessarily going to get a bill for $200,000, <laughs> but it really could affect your your ability to um, look after your family, save for the future. And I think that just helps us to think about and put some numbers around how are we going to support people um, in an aging society where this might even become a bigger issue. So a good reminder that uh, when you get sick, lots of supports, but maybe there's some more things we could do on the income side. 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, funny, Rob. That's uh, It's a good conversation. It's an interesting study because it's one of the conversations people tend to not want to have, they, and there's several of them. People don't want to talk about their will uh, because that means they died, and uh, people don't want to talk about insurance because that means they're going to get sick or hurt. And people don't want to think about what might happen if one of the two income earners in the house. And these days, you know, the model's different than it was years ago. There's oftentimes two income earners in the house. And you sort of think, well, if I were to lose one of the income earners, this would be the impact. But this study suggests that the impact would be greater than that because of the having to compensate for the sick partner. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most interesting findings is that it is it's not just the person who's sick. It's the household that's affected. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, Rob. Uh, appreciate it. Is it you or uh, my good friend Todd Hirsch next week? Mr. Hirsch returns next week from vacation, so he'll be back on the hoot. Excellent. Uh, we had a double booking for today. You're normally on at 3.30. We've got uh, an AMA expert who's very difficult to book, and we got him booked for 3. So I appreciate you moving the time today. I appreciate that very much. Easily done. Thanks, right. Andrew. Thanks, Brad. All right. Thank thanks, you. Rob. Two forty-five on the six thirty Chet afternoon news. We we're just talking to Rob Roach about health and its impact on family income. And I saw this story come in just before we went uh, to air. And actually, there was a uh, media conference taking place at two o'clock with Sandra Jensen. The uh, she's the minister of infrastructure. Sandra Jansen, sorry, I said Jensen. Uh, but you're familiar with this, so you're familiar with this hospital. So the story is, uh, there's a Calgary-based firm uh, that was given the contract for a $763 million Grand Prairie Regional Hospital, and it uh, would appear as though they've defaulted on their schedule, according to the province. The contractor is Graham Construction and Engineering out of Calgary. They have 15 days to submit a plan to the government explaining how it'll get the hospital project back on track um, and the minister saying this is a very serious step and not something we're doing lightly. Uh, we have worked closely with the construction manager to resolve the issue, but the bottom line is simply that the hospital is not progressing as it should. That contract goes back to 2011. What? Yeah, and then an expected completion date eight years later in 2019, and now they're behind schedule, so what are we looking at? 2021, 2022? I mean, a hospital is a massive undertaking. Well, it's sure. not like, you know, a seven or eight year time frame to me sounds reasonable. I don't know what a typical uh, hospital build will accumulate in time. Yeah. But say this is extended, let's say five years just to throw that out there, almost 15 years to build a hospital. I mean, does that not seem completely unreasonable? Like, I can understand with any project, a month, two months, three months, things happen. Something doesn't get delivered on have time. You, have you seen our LRT? Well, that's just, I yeah. mean, I get, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah, can of worms. But, yeah. you know, those light, those slight delays, fine. Those things happen. And when it is, you know, one to three or even six months, people are, are reasonable with of that. Course, especially yeah. when it comes to a facility of this magnitude. But if you're talking years down the road... It was, it's going to be in a better location in the city. It's going to be, you know, state-of-the-art so as far... You spent time in Grand Prairie. 18 months. Okay, so you're familiar with the old hospital? Oh, it's brutal. Oh, okay, the why? Lo- the location is awful. It's impossible to get in and out of. It's on a street where it's one way in each direction. So to get out or to get in, you if you're going the opposite way, you have to cross over traffic. And it's on one of the 
quote-unquote bigger <laughs> streets in Grand Prairie, the more vehicle traffic, let's say, and just the inside. I mean, it's been around forever. I feel like you just threw some slight shade at Grand Prairie there. It was a... No. It's just that... It's not a huge city. The, it's not. It's about yeah. 60,000. Yeah. But where they, they were going to put it is more central to the city, which is always an importance in a small city, especially. The Where it is now is in a location that's just not accessible to people on the uh, the opposite side. It would take them forever to get there, and going to a hospital in an emergency situation is, is life and death and sure. sometimes critical. And once you get inside, it can be very confusing to get around. Um, the services there, I mean, could be better. They need more staff, and that's what this hospital would offer. And I know for a fact, living there and still communicating with people in the city, they're so excited to get this facility, and now it's going to be delayed. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because given the uh, start date, so that was a PC government that ordered up the uh, hospital. And maybe, you know, I'm too quick to judge because I used to say uh, back in the day when it was the PCs uh, that, you know, the PCs are good at constructing signs. Very good. You know, schools, hospitals... Uh, it's going to be built here, but you never see them get built. But as you said, it takes a long time from the time that you announce, you know, to get the engineering and get the construction company, whatever. But what do you do when you're a province? So now you've had the PCs hand this over to the NDPs, and you've got this hospital that's badly needed up in Grand Prairie, and the contracts, I mean, what do you do at this point? Do you get a new contractor in? I mean, think about your back deck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the guy's like a month beyond the back deck. <laughs> yeah. All right, screw it. I'm getting another guy <laughs> yeah, in here. Or I'm going to do it myself. Right. Like, I, you did, that's not easily done. Like, you've got to go back through the whole procedure again now and see who's qualified to do it, who's able to do it within a time frame. I mean, ideally, the construction company that got the contract in the first place finds a way to catch up. But that's the other thing, too. We've been through a real economic downturn throughout that time. So you would have thought that trades would be easily accessible, that materials would be readily available. Like what? I'd like to know what caused the delay out of just pure curiosity, or oh. did they take on more than they realized? Uh, that's what I'm curious about, too, because that's, this is what happened with um, the Grote Road Bridge and the Walterdale Bridge, <laughs> yeah. the delays of product, and then leaving the product outside in the freezing cold. Mm -hmm. Right? So did something happen over the winter, and now something has been morphed that won't fit or have they just been lollygagging for the last seven years and have now fi now finally the government's like you guys kind of like half this building done what well, have you been doing i know here's the thing so we often and i should say I, I often criticize government and we hear from our listeners that listen government just can't undertake a major project and it, it doesn't matter you can talk about edmonton council or you can talk about the alberta government or the canadian government they just can't undertake but it's not like government workers uh grab their toolkits and uh, head up to grand prairie to build a hospital i mean this was a a construction company that's quite well known for doing these sort of projects so I don't know if this is an outlier. They ran into they took on too much work. That could be a possible explanation, I suppose. But as you say, it it just and maybe you know government does slow things down because of the process. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you had to bid something on government, uh, but government does want you to adhere to a timeline because they've made promises to their constituents. But it is difficult to do business with government. And I'm not letting Graham Construction off the hook here, but I've certainly had situations in a past life when I worked for Algoma Steel 
quoting on steel and their specifications were so ridiculous. I know what you mean. Like you said, you're not letting them off the hook, but the government... You know that going in, I guess, is what I'm saying, is that you have to build time in for the government and for the change in winds. You know, the government changes, and and the new government wants it done slightly differently or on a different time, so you have to build all of that in. Um, But it's hard. And, you know, with Algoma, I know that we would have contracts... um, like you said, leaving steel outside, that kind of thing. So Algoma Steel would have the contract for beams and columns and, uh, you know, pipe and whatever else. Um, and then they weren't able to receive it when they were supposed to. Or they would take it and do something dumb with it. Or they would change the grade or specifications. Rebar was the worst. Because rebar basically has no specification. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention is it's the Grand Prairie Hospital. But the Grand Prairie Hospital serves so many other tiny hamlets around Grand Prairie that in those little tiny locations of 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people, they rely on the Grand Prairie Hospital for those emergency situations because all they have is your little almost corner store Hmm. walk-in clinic with maybe a doctor who maybe shows up two or three times a week. Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, we're talking very rural north... Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, northwestern Alberta. So there's only so many services provided in those small towns, Claremont, Beaver Lodge, uh, Hythe. I could go down yeah, yeah. the list. Hmm. This hospital in Grand Prairie is imperative not only for the city, but that surrounding area that relies on it just as heavily. All right, so we're going to talk to uh, Roland from AMA coming up after three. But while we're still on the topic of uh, government and uh, efficiency, uh, saw this. Do you remember... Was it last year, Energy Efficiency Alberta? Uh, And at any point in time, get ready to roll your eyes. I'll cue you, listener, as to when you you should roll your eyes. So do you remember there was a program last year? I think it was last year. It was either early 2017 or late 2016. Yeah, where they said, uh, hey, you know, we're going to put some of that... uh, a carbon tax money into effect, and uh, it, we're going to uh, go with the uh, residential no charge energy savings program. Do you remember that? And you could apply for uh, energy efficient light bulbs, and you could apply for uh, water efficient uh, shower heads, and there was some other things that you could do, and and they would be free because so they're not really free because you paid a carbon tax, but it's it's a way to take that carbon tax and put it into action. Um, I'm about to cue you to roll your eyes. So this is not it. They're a year behind schedule on getting people their light bulbs. So number one, uh, they're apparently way behind schedule on getting people, the people who applied. And they say it's because twice as many people applied for free stuff as they anticipate. I'm surprised it wasn't eight times as many. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say only two times. You figure everyone in the province would have been, yeah, free. You're going to do it for me? It's Sign me up. 50,000 households took advantage of the savings in the first year, and now they've ended the program. But it was free light bulbs. Like, if I said that we had backed up a trailer in the parking lot of Chad with free light bulbs, I bet you I could get 50,000 people by the end of the week to come get free light bulbs. Without a doubt. And the average house got like 29 or 30 light bulbs, so it wasn't like a free light bulb, right? Um, And it turns out, by the way, so not yet, don't roll your eyes yet, uh, it turns out that uh, not all the light bulbs worked, so that sort of backed them up a little bit too. (laughs) Some some people screwed in their energy-efficient light bulbs, and wouldn't you know it, they didn't work, so then you got to apply for more. But the guy who runs, the company that runs the program for the government, get ready to eye roll, uh, is called EcoFit. That's the name of the company. And he, this uh, guy who's the head of the company, is uh, says it's gone very well. 
given the fact that twice as many people wanted free stuff and given the fact that you know only a thousand defective light bulbs were found among the tens of thousands of light bulbs that were shipped so he he's pretty happy so you'd think to yourself why would you be happy if you're a year behind schedule and some of your product didn't work uh ecofit the ontario-based company hired to there, roll your eyes ecofit the ontario-based company hired to run the program um hired more staff installers to tackle the workload but eight months after registration closed at least a thousand albertans are waiting for their new goodies why did we hire an ontario firm to oversee and implement our no charge alberta energy saving program why did we do that there was nobody in alberta nope you didn't want to throw it to a company that i don't know is in balzac like you know what i mean like they're, <laughs> yeah. you had to go to ontario <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't know. That's one of those bidding processes that yep. the government went, ooh, a couple hundred more grand than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Not, I, I don't want to say I guarantee you, but I bet you that that is a valid option as to why they did that. I, I'm, I'm not concerned that I didn't apply for free light bulbs. I'm, I'm more concerned that you and I did not form a company to go around and screw in 50,000 light bulbs. It seems to me like we have the skill to do that. I think we do. Yeah. But, you know, we went to Alberta, or we went to Ontario. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.